Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 17 of Pigskins and Nylon. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined once again by my great friends and co-hosts, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Today is August 25th, and we are three days out from college football. So you Cornhusker and Illini fans, get excited. We're going to dive into a little preview of that game for you. It's the opening game of the college football season, and get another round of Casey's Trivia Corner. But first, let's say hello to the boys. Hayden, Casey, how are you guys, and are you guys ready for some football? Oh, I'm doing great, Wally. Yes, I am ready for some football. I, I don't know if I've ever been this excited. I don't know if it's because COVID last year, if... I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I don't know if I've been this excited about football this year. I'm really juiced, even though, you know, there's not really a quality game this week outside of Illinois and Nebraska, if you if you want to call that a quality game. But yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to a great episode with you guys. Hayden, how are you doing over there, buddy? You excited for some football this weekend? I'm right with Casey, man. I, I don't remember a season that I've been this excited to get rolling and you know hopefully seeing all the fans back in the stands makes it that much better but yeah I'm, I'm really excited even though it's you know not the greatest slate of games uh this opening weekend it's, it's still going to be great to watch some ball yeah it absolutely is it I think it is kind of funny because all three of us have the same feeling where I don't know if I've ever been this excited either and part of me thinks it's because of COVID and we had that shortened year last year but I think part of it is, too, getting to do this with you guys each week. It, it makes it a little special. It makes it a little different that we're... I mean, usually I'm really focused on only Ohio State. And the fact this year that, I mean, shit, we're going into the Illinois-Nebraska game. And I'm genuinely excited about it. And a lot of that goes into doing this podcast with you guys. So it should be a lot of fun. But I told you guys in text last week, I completely forgot I have a bachelor party on Saturday. So I'm going to have to stare at my phone the entire time while playing a round of golf before having to come home and watch the tape delay on Sunday night. So I'll have seen That's it. That's like a double whammy. Dude. It is. First of all, you have to play a round of golf, which I, I don't know you, but I can't imagine you're the greatest golfer in the world. And then you got to stream the game on your phone, which is totally not the same. It's funny because the groom's future father-in-law, he's going to be there and he made us all custom golf balls. Basically saying this is Nick's like bachelor party weekend. It's a cool little thing. High class. High class is right, baby. But here's the problem is everybody that's going to play on this golf course in the next three weeks, they're going to know that Nick's bachelor party was this weekend because my balls will be strewn all over the entire course. If I come home with one ball, it's going to be a successful weekend. I'm getting there. One of these days, I'm going to get at least decent at golf. It's a fun game to play. I'm just not good at it. Do you uh, know what the ball is going to say? I want to say it's Nick's bachelor party weekend or something like that. I'll tell you here in a second. I have a picture. Uh, Hayden, you go ahead and say what you were going to say while I'm looking. Yeah, I I just have kind of a funny story. You you brought up like bringing at least one ball home. Well, this last month I've gone golfing twice, which is the most I've golfed in probably the last – eight years of my life combined and I would bring uh, a ball for each hole and my goal by the end of the the round was to bring at least one ball home and 
the first time I did not. I failed. <laughs> it was horrible. I'd, I started stealing balls from the guys I was playing with. And the second time I did have a couple balls left. So you could see the improvement there a little bit. That's the fun thing about golf is it truly is a game that you're just constantly trying to evolve and improve a little bit. And I went from last year probably being a golfer that would play like a 150 to a 160 round, like an abomination to play. And this year, I'm, I'd am i probably say I'm right around 100. I'm still terrible. But the fact that I can see the improvement, it's a game that's fun to play because of that. But anyways, it just says next weekend on the ball, Casey. Nothing crazy, but it's enough for me to want to hold on to at least one for the keepsake value, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. I didn't know if there was some funny like little quote on there or something, but yeah, it's awesome either way. Don't think there's anything crazy, but either way, I won't know after a few weeks from now when I've forgotten what the balls even looked like. That's all right. Not a big deal. It should be fun. And next weekend, I will be able to watch the full slate. I actually think the plan is the three of us are going to actually watch Thursday's Ohio State-Minnesota game. And if Casey's still available, I think the three of us are going to be watching the first Saturday slate, real Saturday slate of the season next week as well. So, you know, that means we're going to have a really fun couple shows these next couple weeks, too. Can't wait. Yeah, exactly. You got to get that Bart Scott there. Can't wait. We'll be good. It'll be fun. We'll get to dive into more of those games next week on the preview show for you. But right now, let's jump into a couple. Oh, no, actually, before we jump into topics, I actually want... Do you want to do your Casey's Trivia Corner now? Uh, whatever you guys want. Let's do it now. So we're coming in. I'm, I'm narrowly edged out Hayden in the first go-round of this. He's looking for game two here. I, this, do you want to do another $2 little pool here, Hayden? Just me and you? I think I forgot to send you the money from the last time. So, <laughs> Are you Don't, sure? No, I thought no, no. you did give it to me. No, I I sent out the money. Oh, wow. I'm just trying to talk Casey into giving money. That's not what I was trying to do. All right. Uh, <laughs> Hayden. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'm all for it. <laughs> Perfect. $2 bet between Hayden and I. All right, Casey. Whenever you're good, kick us off for you. All right. Starting Casey's trivia corner with number one Dwayne Haskins broke the single season passing yards record in 2019 in Big Ten history by almost 900 yards which Purdue quarterback holds the second most passing yards in a single season all right I have mine written down so Hayden whenever you're ready you go for it buddy so, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it's not Drew Brees, but I don't know. I forget what the name of that guy what the name of that guy was. Shoot, this is going to cost me. I feel like he played in like the mid I don't know. Yes, was he? Uh, I'm guessing the guy I have is after Drew Brees, yes. Can you give me the initials of the guy I have? I, well, I I I just I feel like I, I know the right time frame. I just can't remember the guy's name, which I guess disqualifies me for the answer. You watch it be Curtis Painter, and I'll be pissed. Oh, that's who I was going with. That's who I'm picking. Is that who you're picking? I'll let you have Curtis Painter. I have Kyle Orton. Oh, my God. One of you is right. It's, it's definitely Wally. God. And it is Hayden. You get what? out of here. No way. I hate Curtis myself. Painter in 2006 had like 3,900 yards, I believe, which is second wow. most all time in a single I season. I hate everything about this game already. 
<laughs> All right, going on with number two. Uh, this one might be a fairly easy one. Who holds the Big Ten single-season record for rushing touchdowns? This one, I think, was easy. I'm going. Yeah, I think Do it you have be. yours written down, Wally, before I say it out loud? He said, yeah. He gave a thumbs up. Sorry. Uh, I'm going with Monty Ball from Wisconsin. I also have Monty Ball. That is correct. He holds the Whoa. record with 33 hey, touchdowns. I, quick question two- for you, Kate. Where on the list was Lawrence Maroney? Because if you didn't say that it was easy, that probably would have been where I would have went. Hmm, that's a great question. I don't know, but I do know that Melvin Gordon was second with 25. So all the freaking um, Badgers. All right, yeah, that's good. I, I actually believe that the top four were Wisconsin running backs, but I, I could be wrong. Anyway. Right. We got Hayden um, with a lead here right now, two to one. Let's go. <laughs> Moving on to number three. Uh, who holds the Big Ten's single-season record for receiving touchdowns? This might be a little difficult, or might not. Okay. Boy, I, this I one. Did? This one's yeah. tough. Now, I, I I have no idea, actually. I was gonna say, can we get a hint if it was before or after the? I mean, it has to be after the turn of the century. They weren't throwing enough, but only person I had before in my head, I was thinking of like you know the. Chris Carter's, the Terry Glenn's, Plaxico Burris, stuff like that. Was it turn of the century or after? It was before 2000. All right, I'll just shut up for a while. Oh, God, that Jesus. took my only guess out of the, out of the picture. All right, well, I'm, I've got mine written down. Whenever you uh, want to take a shot in the uh, dark yeah. there, I'll, I, I'll go. I have no idea. Uh, my original guess uh was going to be Braylon Edwards but then he said before 2000 so I'm gonna go with Terry Glenn I don't think it's right I'm going with the guy that we're throwing up on our Twitter page for four days until college football I'm going Michigan State's own Plaxico Burris Ooh, both of you were incorrect it was Desmond Howard in 1991 when he won the Heisman Trophy ah shoot 19 19 in a single season yeah, I guess that's good enough for the Heisman Trophy. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to number four. And some of these I give you a nice nice little hint, but I still think they're relatively challenging. Which Ohio State kicker holds the Big Ten single-season record for most extra points made? It has to be recent memory. Like, it has to be. Just with the amount of points yeah, yeah. that you Ohio just, State has scored. Okay? For sure. Th- yeah, thinking Ohio State more explosive. Which there are only two kickers that come to my mind. But I don't know which one I'm going to pick. God. I'm going to go with Blake Hallbeal. I also have Blake Hallbeal written down right here. Ooh, I believe he was second. But it was actually Sean Nuremberger. Sean Nuremberger. In God. That's um, that was I, that was tough. I didn't have this uh, written down, but I believe he had 89, and then I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was Drew Basil was second with 85. I don't remember the year though. Anyway, moving on to number five. This one might be a little tough. 
I don't know if you guys know this or not, but 2005 was the year of the linebacker in the Big Ten. The top three all-time single-season records for total tackles were set that season by Iowa's duo of Abdul Hodge, our boy, and Chad Greenway, along with Tim McGriggle from Northwestern. Now, you have to get within five of the total to get a point, but what are the records for the total tackles in a season? Two of them are tied. I'll give you a hint. So, you need to get within five of either the total or the second total. Oh, man. Can you tell us if they play? I had to have been, I imagine, 13 games, 12 regular season in a bowl game, I, I assume. Or maybe it was 11 back then and then yeah. a, a bowl game. To be honest with you, I do not know. But the, it was in 2005, so I would assume that they played 13 if they racked up this many tackles, especially because Abdul Hodge and Ch- Chad Greenway were on the same team. For um, sure. I would imagine it's 13. Okay. Yeah, I just knew that this was kind of in that era where they went to 13 because for, what, the late 90s, you would have the 11-game seasons a lot of times, but that's fine. I have – well, actually, you know what? Let me write mine down. Hayden, get ready, and I'll, I'll be ready for you yeah. in a second. If you have a number, I, I think I have a number that I'm going to guess. All right, I have mine, but I think I'm probably too high. But I like Abdul Hodge too much, so I'm trying to give him as much credit as I can. Yeah, he is number one, though, just so you know. <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I loved him so much, and I bet that's oh, yeah. probably it. He's a beast. Was a beast. Are anyway, we, let's, we, let's hear we your guess. Are ready for my yep. guess? I'm actually, yep. uh, yeah, okay. So I used a, is using a calculator cheating? No. Okay, because I just did 13 games times however many tackles I am guessing that he this these people made a game. Well, now we'll be able to guess it since <laughs> My calculator gives me 156. I went 146 and 142. That'd be roughly about 11 tackles a game. I went a tick <laughs> higher and I I did what did I do? 12 12 a game. That gives you 156. Hayden actually got the second no the way. The second one, spot on. 156. No way. Um, was you Chad Greenway and Tim McGriggle. If um, you are Abdu- tied with me, if you're tied with me at the end, you win because of that, Hayden. <laughs> that, that's just complete luck. <laughs> and then uh, Abdul Hodge had 158 that year. Both of you did a great job. You're, you're both relatively close. But point goes to Hayden. I'm getting Runs run high. out of the gym right now. I'm, I'm, I'm like the Braves. I'm, ex- I'm expanding my lead in the NL East here. What? Whoa, wow. You had to throw that in there. That's minus one point for Hayden. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so what's the score now? Let's We're halfway through. Let's give a score update. It's three to one. But the thing is, is he is the tiebreaker too because he drilled that. He's, so like, he's running out of the to, gym. Yeah, you'd have to get – shoot, I'd have to tank here. This must be what well, it's like the to be what this is the an Illinois episode. This must be like a halftime game at Illinois. I'm just getting bummed. This is terrible geez. right now. <laughs> well, Wally, you might be able to catch up here with number six. I found this single season record uh, to be very interesting. But who holds the single season record for most interceptions in a year? Now I have to ask. Were you saying that I could get this a hint, or are you just trying to basically keep the intrigue that I'm not getting run out of the gym? 
So. Never you... mind. Never mind. Uh, okay. 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 I I I'm I'm lost, and I'm just gonna go. Do you have your answer? Yes, I do. Do you have the correct answer? I don't know, but I'm taking it as a hint. What Casey said, which makes me a hundred percent confident, I have to have it. Hayden, All what right. you got? I have no idea. I'm gonna go with Molly Cooker, but I know it's not correct. So the only two people this could be, if it was truly a hint to me, it has to be either Chris Gamble, because he's my favorite Buckeye ever, or Charles Woodson, who is my favorite Raider Michigan Wolverine ever, and Casey's look just tells me neither are right, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah, um, neither one of them was right. I, I didn't want to drop the, the Wisconsin thing on you. Um, is it but Leonard? It is Jim Leonard. Damn uh, it. Wisconsin's current defensive coordinator obviously played for the Badgers back in the early 2000s. He had 11 interceptions in 2002. I, hey, I was getting there, Wally. I was going to drop the Wisconsin hit, but you you were too confident in the other two. I really was. I thought that – I don't know. I, I thought that – I got tunnel vision. When I heard this was like Wally's, I'm like, all right, it's a favorite. It's got to be Gambler or Woodson. But yeah, Jim Leonard, outstanding. One of the best Badgers of all time. Probably the best defensive Badger, probably right next to, I'd imagine, Borland and J.J. Watt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, still 3-2, to two, oh, or 3-1. Yeah, to one. so three it, to one. It, my percentage it's is just going up here. Oh, yeah, increasing. you're at like 90%. i will take two losses right here. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on with number seven. The Big Ten is known for producing some outstanding defensive linemen especially in uh, post-2000. With that being said, who is the all-time career sack leader in Big Ten history? While he's writing, I want it to be clear to you two, my pen's running out of ink, so I'm basically carving into my paper right now. So a lot of this is on, what, honor system. And I guess I've no. given you one right answer, so people can't really think I'm cheating too well at this point. Yeah, I, I think if you're cheating, you wouldn't be one for six right now. So, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, um, I'm not you have you have your answer, Wally. Yes, I do. I think Chase Young's freshman year makes him not the answer, which he was the first name that popped him to my head. But I believe. Shalik Calhoun from Michigan State had a, a decent career, and I think he played four years. Raiders legend, Shalik Calhoun. So, oh man, I don't know. I'll go with him. I don't know why this is the name that's popping into my head, but in his senior year, they took a trip to Ohio State, and a place that I don't feel like you ever think about defense, but I'm going Ryan Kerrigan. Wow. Great guess, Wally, and you are correct. Wow. Ryan Kerrigan leads the Big Ten wow. in all-time sacks with 33-and-a-half, and I believe Chase Young was second with like 30-and-a-half throughout his career. So, nice job, Wally. 3-to-2 well, is now the score. Is, that was needed. This is bad. That was yeah, what? That was, now, yeah. all of a sudden, we time. have two more. You need the last two and you win. It's that, what's oh, it called, the uh, uh, ESPN FPI in the game, the score thing just all of a sudden took a little dip. It's not It's not bad, but all of a sudden it's not 99.5 anymore. Yeah, and, and really this next one is uh, 
you know, I don't think either one of you will know it off the top of your head. It'll be more than, it'll be more of a guessing game. So moving on to number eight, including Nebraska and the history of Nebraska, how many Heisman Trophy winners does the Big Ten Conference have? And I'll give you a point if you get within two. You said including Nebraska? Including Nebraska and Nebraska's history, yes. Give us like two seconds to try to formulate at least a little math here. No, yeah, you're you're all good. This is bad, but I, I you got to imagine Wally's not going to be within two. You just got to think. So, a, you know, both a loss is a win for me. Wally, do you have your answer? I'm still doing math. See, I have a slight advantage over you, Hayden, because on Twitter I've been doing the countdown and it was That's a, garbage. It was a lot harder to do the countdown than I would initially realize because I guess you don't think about players' numbers a ton when they're not in your team. But all of a sudden I remember going through this and you would run into teams that have Heisman winners you would never expect. Like I think Minnesota has one. Uh, I want to say, oh my gosh, there's like teams like that that have random guys from way back in the day. I'm going to say... I'm literally doing no math, and I'm straight guessing, so... All right, you go ahead first. I think I've got the best I can do. (sighs) I'm going to go with 26. I'm going with 21. Oh, man, Wally. When you were counting out loud, and you said 19, I was like, oh, that would have been it. You know, the the worst part is I screwed up because I have it written down 20 right here. But at the last second, I decided to add one more when Hayden said 26. Well, 20 wouldn't have got you it anyway. The correct answer is 17. Ooh. Okay. All right. One for me. So that gives Hayden the dub, doesn't it? Do you have... We can do one more for fun, but do you <laughs> no, have, I have the I have two numbers? more. We're going to do 10. Sorry. Oh, well, if we're the doing n- 10, the then I still have a shot. Yeah, if Wally wins both of them, then we, well, don't, he can win. Because well, it's three to two. Oh, I thought yeah. it was four to two. No, three to two. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. My fault. All right. But you have um, them written down, like how many each team has by chance. I do not. Okay. Because I, I want to say I what Ohio State has seven, I believe, right? Yeah, and then Michigan only has three. I have three for them. I think Nebraska has three as well. Mm-hmm. I think I know Minnesota has one. Yeah, they either have one or two. I wrote down that yeah. slash. Wisconsin obviously has Ron Dane, but I think that's all they have. Did Warren Moon win one for Michigan State, or are they winless in the Heisman? Do you know? I didn't even know Warren Moon went to Michigan State. I want to say that they got either, you know, back when everybody claimed national championships, if they won like six games in a season. I think Michigan State might have even claimed a national title with him in the 70s. I did not know that. That is, it says Warren Moon went to Washington on Who am I thinking of? Oh my gosh, this is, that's, that's me just being an idiot. Who was the quarterback? Oh, my God. Where did Rant... No, no. Who was in the 70s? It's like mid-70s. Michigan State, I want to say, claimed a national title in like 75-ish. I can't remember who was there. am not an expert on Michigan State history, so I'm not the guy to ask. Well, clearly I'm not either. I'm looking it up real quick. So they claimed... Let me have... Wait, I just saw it. I think it was six. According to Wikipedia, so no highly... Very highly... Highly reputable. Very highly reputable. Michigan State's football team has won or shared six national championships, 
in 51, 52, 55, 57, 65, and 66. So that 65 and 66 year, it has to be what I'm thinking of. They will never win another one again because they have the Archie Griffin curse. From Connor Cook? Exactly. I'm going to lose my mind until I figure this out. Who? Okay, well, I guess I'm just an idiot. I could have just typed Is in. Is that B-dubs, Hayden? Yes, sir. Holy smokes, that sounds Matt, good. Madison went to B-dubs and ate one wing and puked it all up, and I have all the leftovers. <laughs> so that's sweet. Wow. Yeah, that sucks for Maddie, though, right? That's your wife, Hayden. Yeah, it does, it does suck. I feel horrible for her. This is what I get for speaking with my full chest when I thought I knew something and I didn't. Anyways, you go ahead. I'll come back to this after and I'll just spit fire at the end and everybody will know what I'm doing. All right. That's fine. So moving on to number nine, I wanted to test you guys and see how much you guys paid attention uh, to last week's preview show. Which Big Ten team returns the most starters for the 2021 season? I have mine already. I was just listening to the radio today, and actually I remember you talking about this last week, but I have this one nailed down. This is for the win. If Hayden gets it correct, he wins. If I miss this one, I'm so confident that if I miss this one, I'm not I'm not going to answer the last one, and Wally can just get an easy guess on his own and, and win it. You know, the worst part, this is like a muff fair catch. I'm like sitting here knowing we did this, we did our own show. We do the, the prep and everything. And now, give me a second. I'm literally in my head just running through the teams because I know it's going to jump off the page when I see it. Well, the, after how well I did in the first trivia bout, this is just such a shame. This is this, this is this is similar to the Mets second half collapse. It's Very brutal. Similar. Just blowing the division. Can I get a bonus point for being like within like three of the number? Well, it's going to be like, what, like 18 or 19? Yeah, I mean, if you get it spot on, I'll give you a bonus point, sure. Make the blowout a little worse. All right, go ahead, Hayden. Illinois. I wrote down Minnesota first, Illinois second. Wow, neither one of you were right. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. No Rutgers. Rutgers has 22 returning starters. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Dude, I, I swear, I just listened to the radio today and they said Illinois has the most returning starters in the conference. No, Illinois has 16 returning starters and Rutgers has 22. Well, I know so. that we're going into it later. Did Illinois... you say starters or seniors? Starters. Oh, I thought you said seniors. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Talk <laughs> about a muffed fair catch. Yeah. Geez. Hey, I still win. Is that, still min- win. Is that minus one? Hell no. Be. Hell no. We sh- we should take away the bonus point though the to make number ten a little interesting. Well, how about this? If I win this one and what I was just saying, it'll at least make it look. It's one of those like you tie, but in like soccer, it's a, considered a draw. But then they win on aggregate. I'm fine with that. If I tie him overall score, I can live with my life. All right, fair enough. Number ten, last one. Which current Big Ten team has handed Nick Saban? His largest loss, or largest margin of defeat as a head coach. Kind of off topic, but it is a Big Ten team that handed him this loss. I'm ready when you are, Hayden. I think I think I have it. Well, this blows. 
God. Let's go with Penn State. So, obviously, a lot of people that aren't Big Ten fans forget that Nick Saban was head coach at Michigan State. There's a reason yep. they're called Little Brother. I think that Big Brother got him. Michigan beat the hell out of him, right? Oh, Wally. I love your train of thought, my dude. But you are incorrect. Oh, um, it was it was while Saban was at Michigan State. However, it was in 1996 when Nebraska came to town and beat Michigan State 55 to 14. Oh, that's yeah, such a trick question too. Because yeah. it wasn't even a trick question, but my dumbass was like, "Well, if he was, it would happen while he was at Michigan State. You don't think about Nebraska." You don't think about that. Oh, right. And that's why I didn't know if I was like giving too easy of a hint when I said which current Big Ten team, because obviously, you know, it, I, I could have just said Big Ten team and you would have thought of. Yeah, I don't know. But you were on the right track there, Wally. Unfortunate. Man, there were a couple questions in there where I, I like the, the first one, the Kyle Orton for me. And then I basically gift-wrapped Curtis Painter in a literal basket for Hayden. I just, I blew it. Talk about a, a brutal loss, and congratulations <laughs> to you, Hayden. I will be sending your $2 via Venmo here after the show. Let's go. Also, I feel like Casey was secretly rooting for you, Wally. I feel like he was. I think he was rooting for intrigue. He wants it to be I, close at the end. Yeah, I want I wanted you to get rid of the uh, Hayden bonus point pretty bad, not going to lie, so that number 10 comes, and if Wally got it right, we were tied, and then we went to a sudden death. But we didn't, and congratulations, Hayden. And that B-dubs, I can smell it from here, dude. It smells amazing. It's really good. Well, you know what? Congratulations, Hayden, and once again, great job, Casey. I love doing this. We'll have to, whenever we have the slow weeks, or when we get into conference play and we're going to have a lot fewer games to go over, we'll have to do this from time to time. It's a lot of fun. And now that we're tied, you know that we're going to have to do this for a little while. But we'll jump into topics real quick. I'm just going to run through this first couple real quick since we've talked about it last few weeks. And then we're going to get into recruiting and we'll talk a little bit about Illinois, Nebraska. It came out this last week that COVID forfeit mandate is being put into place by the Big Ten Basically, this means if your team is unable to play due to COVID, your team will forfeit the matchup. If your players are vaccinated, they are not tested routinely. So more or less, if you have a high vaccination rate, this shouldn't be an issue. Meanwhile, unvaccinated players are tested more frequently. I imagine that this is going to be more of a formality. I don't think we're going to see a number get that high that we're going to see a forfeit, which is good. It seems like we're almost out of the woods in that front. And then the other topic today came out, I, I guess now, yesterday, we're recording really on the 24th. I said earlier that this is the 25th, but that's when you'll be listening. The Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 formally announced their alliance today. The hurdles with this is they basically include that they don't believe that there's any representation right now on the new playoff expansion proposal. That's more or less just the SEC and the group of five teams that are really in favor of it. They have a distrust for the ESPN market. They want to see Fox, NBC, CBS get more in the mix for the market for playoff games. On top of all this, they're still going to be locked into the nine-conference game schedule format for these three conferences. And if you have already prearranged a non-conference game, you are going to be able to honor that, which is going to limit the crossover opportunities for probably the better part of a decade. 
And then ultimately this comes down. They're claiming that this is an emphasis on academics, which is still a supposed priority. But at the same time, we all yeah. understand this is just to con or contradict what the SEC is doing right now. On those two topics right there, do you guys have any quick thoughts before we jump into your recruiting update for us? Yeah, real quick, I, I do have a comment on the COVID forfeit rule that is being implemented, which I think it's necessary and great. Everybody needs to go get vaccinated. That's just my opinion. Please go do it. But I I would feel bad if a team who has a very high percentage of, of vaccinated players still have to go through this and potentially forfeit a game. I think that would be a real shame, especially if they're doing things the right way and it still turns out to be like that. A little side note, I did before uh, we started recording, Ohio State is actually um, requiring all students to be vaccinated for this, this school year. So obviously that goes with football players as well, or any athlete, I guess. So I would imagine Ohio State's vaccination rate is going to be 100% this season. Yeah, and wasn't their vac vaccination rate already really high? I'm pretty sure I heard that over the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was very high compared to especially some of the teams in the South. Speaking of the South, I, I was going to bring up Nick Saban. You know, back when the vaccine was coming out and everything, you know, Nick Saban was really emphasizing to his players, like, hey, this can be a like a huge advantage for us. You know, if we have 95% of our players vaccinated and we don't have to cancel a game, like that's obviously a game that we can't lose because we had a COVID outbreak or whatever. So I definitely agree with you, Hayden. Everybody should go get vaccinated, especially because uh, the Pfizer was just FDA approved, which is awesome because that's the one that I got. So <laughs> anyway, Wally, I don't know if you want to touch on the LSU story. I, I did see that today, and that was what I was going to touch on a little bit too. It came out on Tuesday that LSU was requiring all the, um, the fans in attendance to either have a PCR COVID test 72 hours prior to the game or be vaccinated and show proof of vaccination to be able to come to the game. Really, LSU was the first big-time school to implement that kind of rule. I would imagine that a lot of bigger schools will follow suit. I think it's um, a fair and safe way of doing things, in my opinion. I'm of the belief that if you don't if you don't get vaccinated or you don't wear a mask or whatever, you suffer the consequences of whatever you know whatever happens. I know I'm getting off topic here, but if a restaurant is still doing mask and you don't want to wear a mask, like it's I I feel like shouldn't be you know blowing up their not like actually blowing up but like arguing with people when they have this safety precaution i guess i, I don't know what i was trying to get at there no but, it's one of those things if you, know you choose that you don't want to wear a mask then that's one of those places you are not going to be able to go that is just basically the consequence of that choice yeah right on it i think you put it better into better words well, on top of all that, too, this is going into the whole Nick Saban's talking about this is an advantage thing. If you have that many people at a game, especially LSU Tiger Stadium, it's one of the greatest atmospheres in college football. It's kind of, to me, the equivalent of what Beaver Stadium is in the SEC. And what they can do down there, we all understand right now that 
the Southeast has a much lower vaccinated rate than it is in the North. When you have close to 100,000 people going to your game, a lot of those are students. If those people aren't vaccinated, they're also around players during the week, during the school year. So this is kind of a collective team effort. If you're vaccinated and or you're not tested positive, you're, what you're doing is you're ensuring that these players also don't test positive so your team doesn't eventually have to forfeit. It's that, you know, that stupid meme you see where the one guy drops like a little domino and then it knocks over like a building because there's a million things in the way. It's like you having your vaccination or you not having COVID going to a Tiger game, stopping an outbreak in Baton Rouge that ultimately ends up with your team having to forfeit a game. We're all in this together, and this is a way for, I guess, teams and schools to really still be a collective whole. So I'm all for it. I'm with you guys. FDA approval. If there was any doubt for you guys out there, go get it now. The FDA ain't trying to lie to anybody. That just means that there's so much extensive studies going into this now. I mean, we've all heard this forever. I mean, I don't think we have to go too much more detail about it, but get your Pfizer shot. It's, it's also the best one. I'm with you, Casey, because I also got that one. Just want to add real quick, like, for as much as I I don't like, not that I don't like, but I don't know what I'm trying to say. All I'm saying is good for LSU on kind of taking the initiative to, to do this before. I don't. Has anybody else been requiring this for – for entry into games, I'm not sure. I don't but, think any. I don't think any big time school. Yeah. So like, but I could be that, wrong. Like, yeah, that's like a. It's like a pretty big step, really. Um, I do kind of question how they plan to implement this and enforce it. I think that's like a, a big thing. Like, I, I don't know if you're going to require everybody to bring their vaccination cards to the game. Or if you can do it like electronically, there's a lot that needs to be sorted out, but I'm sure they have a plan in place. You're right. It's going to be really difficult to implement this just purely because if you have 100,000 people coming in, speed is of the essence. You don't want people waiting in line forever. So unfortunately, I think a lot of this is going to be honor system where if you have a card, they're going to have to hope and assume it's yours. They're not going to thoroughly check each and every person's. So I just really hope people are being responsible about this and trying to, or just actually following the rules. Couldn't agree more, Wally. Well said. Wally has such a way with words. Such a way. You guys are pumping my tires, and that's fine. Well, I'm going to pump yours a little bit. One of my favorite things we do each week is something I don't do at all. It's the recruiting update. These two are really great at it. These guys follow this stuff year-round. It's been kind of really fun to really get into this because I don't, I'll pay attention, like I've told you guys before, about the Ohio State recruits. But you guys really, it's like an art. It's fun to you guys. So without further ado, Casey, how about we'll go to you first. Tell us if there's anything that's been going on this week, or has it been, I guess, another slow one as the last, what, two, three weeks have been? Actually, this was this was a huge week or four days since we last recorded Illinois got a three-star defensive lineman by the name of Brian Allen out of Connecticut. And that is actually the only Big Ten That's, Michi- that's Michigan Pipeline, baby. <laughs> Northeast. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're losing it with Rutgers, and now they're losing it to, uh, to Illinois. So not good, not good. But yeah, I, I was joking about the big week in recruiting. That was the only... Big Ten football recruit that committed. There were a couple basketball commits 
Penn State did get a four-star combo guard, Jamil Brown, out of Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure he was a Philadelphia guy. And then this is how you know that we're really – we're in a dry spot right now with recruiting when I put that Minnesota basketball got a not ranked on 247 <laughs> – Power forward, uh, Farrell Payne out of out of Minnesota. I I mean, I'm not sure if not sure if that guy will do anything at the Big Ten conference level. Keeping the borders closed, I love to see it. Yeah, Attack that um, in state recruiting. Yeah, when you're not ranked on the two four seven composite, that is not good. Um, but I'm, with the last name Payne, I'm not sure if he's related to um, what was that dude's name from Michigan State? Adrian Payne. Yeah, I mean, he was a decent player. That was one. That he was one of those players where, gosh, it was really, it was really annoying. annoying. Yeah, really annoying to play against him. But yeah, that, that's all I got on the recruiting commits for football and basketball this week. Not really anything crazy going on, and not really sure if we're going to expect anything crazy within the next few weeks. I'm sure a lot of these guys want to get to games and then you know make their decisions afterwards, but. Who knows? We'll see. Now, question for you both real quick before we get too far going. I know this is off the cuff and we weren't planning for it, but we were just talking about it and hearing that Minnesota went after a non-ranked in-state guy, Ben Johnson now, since Patina was fired, he takes over up there in Minneapolis. Marcus Carr transfers to Texas. And now all of a sudden they're recruiting guys that aren't even ranked. What are your takeaways from that? Because it kind of feels like Minnesota... And Ben Johnson, it's not exactly like he's aiming at the stars real quick, the start of this tenure. To be honest, no, no disrespect to Minnesota basketball, but they haven't really been that relevant in terms of being at the top of the Big Ten for a decent while now. What, since um, Tubby Smith and the violations, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not going to lie, I didn't even know who the heck they hired after they fired Patino. I did remember that Marcus Carr transferred and then obviously, you know, getting this not ranked recruit, not off to a great start in my opinion, but I I would say last year was not a fluke. I'm pretty sure they were toward the bottom of the big 10 and fully expect them to be in that same position after this season. Yeah. You know, it's not good. I'm actually looking at Minnesota's 2022 basketball class. They actually have another commit. The bad thing for them is this guy is also not ranked. So they have two commits, and their average rating is 0.0. Like, it's not even registering on their, on their class. So yeah, not, not good. And, that, and that's 2022, right? Which means that is the next step recruiting class. I don't know if our listeners know this or not. but So 2021 is, is over right now. Everybody is focused on the 2022. So even the recruiting sites are updating their 2022 rankings more so now than ever. So for Minnesota to not have two guys ranked in the composite ranking, which I believe in basketball goes just to 300, which is a little different than football because football, they rank up to a thousand, but then also they give you a score if you're ranked outside of the thousand two. So you could be a three star and be ranked, you know, 1300 than the nation in football. Whereas for basketball, I'm sure once you get past 300, they probably don't do any rankings. But I guess too, just just an observation, it's not even necessarily true, but I guess for football, there's what about 130 ish 
Division One FBS schools, you're looking at, what, 80 to 100 kids pretty much on all these teams. Then you have college basketball, you're looking at 15 kids. And I know there's a lot of D1 college basketball schools, but it's 15 versus the 100 players that you got. Maybe that is another reason, what, that you'd imagine that they only go up to 300, or am I off, would you say? No, I would say that's accurate. You know, obviously there are more football players and, you know, teams can really stack up their football players. I know that I know that was not really relevant, but like Ohio State, it's just Ohio State, Bama's, Georgia's are just so stacked with these four-star guys. I think that, you know, the ESPN 247, we go by 247 here, uh, like the 247 rankings have to give you know, some three, four-star love to the guys that aren't going to Ohio State in Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, right? That's why That's why they uh, rank to 1,002. Okay, that's fair. I actually... No, no idea if that's true, but that's my thinking. No, that makes sense. It was just one of those things I'm trying to figure out observationally on the fly there. Oh, also, one thing, I know you kind of brought up Ben Johnson, who is... Minnesota's basketball coach, who I have no idea who, I don't even know who he is. I don't know where he's been or what he's done, anything about him. But I clicked on his profile on 24-7 Sports, which, by the way, like Casey said, is the gold standard for all recruiting services. He actually has some decently rated commits from his past. So he must have been at Xavier before Minnesota, and he recruited a guy. Is he the head coach at Xavier? I don't know. I was going to um, say, that's a downgrade if he was. Yeah, that definitely. Um, but he recruited a guy named Kai Kai Tandy, who was a 96 rating, which is a four-star on 24-7 sports. But he also recruited guys at Minnesota like Amir Coffey and Daniel Oturu. So, like, those were two two high-rated guys that went to Minnesota. Coffey uh, was pretty good. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I don't know much about this guy, but – Maybe we need to give him a little time before we rush to these conclusions about him. Yeah, he absolutely. I mean, he hasn't coached a game yet for Minnesota, and we're already basically running him out of town here. So we will give him a fair shake. It's just from the outside looking, and especially that car transfer, that's just going to be really hard to overcome. They were bad with that guy, and people are speculating that Carr puts Texas as one of the front runners as a national title favorite right now. So it's tough. That's tough. But we'll we'll give him his fair shake. We'll talk more about that in the coming months as basketball season gets closer. Now we are going to jump into our only game this week. Nebraska is traveling to Illinois. 1 p.m. on Fox this weekend. It's 1 p.m. Eastern. I guess we have to kind of say that when you consider half the Big Ten is in the central time zone. We're going to come back to the gambling lines. I put it here first, but I think it's probably best to finish it up with our picks. So instead, let's go first. We're going to talk about the matchup history. In the last five years, you have Illinois. Last year, they won 41-23 to in Lincoln. And then the four years prior to that, Nebraska has won all four meetings. The closest being a four-point win in 2019. Before that, three possession games in each. Or I guess the last one was 15 in 2016. But even so, Nebraska, I alluded last week saying that they have struggled with Illinois. That probably wasn't the best terminology to use. Illinois has played them tougher than you would expect is probably the better way to put it. Last year, Illinois, they went 41-23 in Lincoln. 
Pretty much from the opening kickoff on, it was ugly for Nebraska, turning it over left and right. I want to say they turned it over five times and nothing in that game. Nebraska also in that game pretty much had to abandon the traditional run with at least a halfback pretty early. Luke McCaffrey, we're not here to dog the guy, but clearly he was not the answer in Nebraska. That style of offense, I guess it just didn't really work with him. Adrian Martinez, I know they're similar quarterbacks, but it looks like Adrian Martinez is at least able to throw the ball a little bit more effectively. But going into the matchup this year, there are injuries on both sides going in, which you're going to have that coming out of camp. Illinois, first of all, they have a couple guys ruled out. They have receiver Marquez Beeson and offensive lineman Jordan Slaughter are both ruled out. Then you have a couple defensive linemen who are questionable. Roderick Perry, the second, and Jamal Woods. Nebraska also have two players out. Highly touted freshman tight end Thomas Fedone. He will not be playing. Also, senior linebacker Will Hannes. He will also not be there. Running back Marquis Stepp has a toe injury from spring. He's a running back transfer from USC. A couple USC transfer running backs getting into the Big Ten this year. It'll be fun to keep an eye on. But he looks like he will be available to play, but we don't know in what capacity right now. Nebraska entering the game. They're minus six and a half. This according to the FanDuel Sportsbook out here in Pittsburgh. Hopefully you guys in Ohio have that soon, so you can also get in on the legal gambling. That minus 6.5 for Nebraska is coming in at minus 114, where Illinois' plus 6.5 is coming in at minus 106. Interesting point about this spread is it opened up initially at 9.5, so it has come down three full points. So it's a little deceiving to see the minus 114 next to Nebraska being favored by about a touchdown. Makes it look like the money's coming in on them. Maybe all it is is the line over-adjusted a little too much. If you were just going to bet on who's going to win, that's the money line. Nebraska money line is minus 265, so you have to bet $265 to win 100. Illinois' money line is plus 210, so you bet 100, you make $210. The over-under is 54.5. So simply all I'm asking you guys here, who do you like to win? Who covers the spread? And do you like the over-under of 54.5? Before I actually do throw it over to you guys, I just forgot. We are going to do a little competition between us this year where... So we are going to be picking for you guys our spreads on each game this year and the over-under. Also, if we have the occasional upset money line, we'll throw that in there as well. We won't do the favorite money lines for the simple fact that when Ohio State plays teams like Rutgers, Illinois, Indiana, and giant spreads like that, it's really not fair to count that as a win to pick the major favorite there. So we're only going to be doing spreads and over-under. With that finally being done, whoever wants to go first, Nebraska is a a 6.5-point favorite on the road at Champaign, the house of horrors. The over-under is 54.5. What do you guys have? There we go. I'll, I'll volunteer myself because as a person who is likely going to bet on this game outside of our podcast... I would tell you what the easy money is on. You take Illinois plus six and a half. It's a lock. Also, I'm going to sprinkle, sprinkle a little on the Illinois money line. I'm sprinkling it. Is okay, that I'm a not pick? going heavy. Is that a pick? I'm, it's a pick. Illinois plus six and a half plus Illinois money line. 54 and a half. So we're talking like a 31-24-ish type game. 
both these defenses are probably going to be bad, but both offenses also could be bad. <laughs> Boy, I, I think I'm going to... Lord, if I had to put money on it, I think I would take the under. I think I would take the under, which is not fun to root for, by the way. Casey, so we have Hayden here. He has picked the Illinois plus six and a half, Illinois money line, and the under of 54 and a half. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? I agree with Hayden on the Illinois plus six and a half. For some reason, I feel like this game is going to come down to the wire. I don't think Nebraska is going to have five turnovers again like they did last year, which means I don't think they're going to get blown out. I don't think they have the ability to really blow out a team like Illinois, but I think that says more about where Nebraska is than where Illinois is, to be honest with you. I still tend to think that Nebraska is the more talented team. And so with that, I'm going to go with Nebraska to win the game. As far as over under being, what, 54 or 54 and a half? 54 and a half. I'll actually actually take the over. I could see it being like a 35-31 last-minute field goal or last-second field goal kind of game. The fans at Illinois are going to be hyped. I think that that gives Illinois a little bit of an advantage and maybe kind of equals out the talent gap that there is, in my opinion. But ultimately, I think Nebraska wins by about a field goal. So I teased it last week, and I can't go back on it now. I'm going to pretty closely go with Hayden here, at least on the first couple I think Illinois not only goes and covers, I think they go and get it done at home against Nebraska in the opener this week. Last three times these teams have matched up. Lots of points have been scored as well, so I'm going to be taking it over just for an idea. Last three times they've played. Last year, Illinois scored 41. Year before, scored 38. Year before that, 35. Nebraska last year, 23. Year before, 42. Year before, 54. These teams scored when they play each other. Neither of these defenses are great. Illinois last year, I know they're bringing most of their pieces back, but when you're bringing the pieces back from a defense that was giving up 34.9 points a game, it's not something that you're exactly pounding the ceiling for, really fired up about. I think that Illinois is going to be able to get up early. It's going to come down in this game. I think who wins a turnover battle. If Illinois is able to turn over A.J. Martinez a couple times, I think they are able to score enough and get it done. So I'm actually going to take a 41-34 Illinois win. So there you folks have it. Hayden and I have Illinois winning in an upset effort. Casey has Illinois falling short but covering the spread. Check back in next week. We'll have that running tally throughout the year. And we can, I guess, prove to you whether you should follow us gambling or not. But that's going to bring us to the end of another edition of Pigskins and Nylon. We'll be back next week to break down the Nebraska-Illinois game. Then the fun really gets going. Week 1. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. Keep sending those SCHW questions to the hashtag SCHW, especially on Twitter. We'll sprinkle those in here and there throughout the year when we have time. But otherwise, guys, Casey, Hayden, do we have any final thoughts today? Yeah, I have one. MLB replay system is horrible, and we just had we 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 should have had 
a two-run single here. Freddie Freeman slid in, was obviously safe at home, and got called out to end the inning. So the Braves are still down by one, which is a load of shit. So MLB replaces some blows. Go Yankees. Hayden, the more you root for the Braves, the more I I hate the Braves. Not going to lie. They're, I mean, I I think my hate... What have the they Braves, ever done to you other than win won- four straight NLEs titles? Yeah, and they, you know, when I was growing up, they won like 15 in a row. So that's why I don't like the Braves. But anyway, final thought. I'm juiced. We have football this weekend. That's it. I have a couple really quick ones here. One is, while I was doing research for this this week, I found out that Memorial Stadium, Illinois, I should say, has a capacity of over 60,000, which blew my mind. So I started digging into when the last sellout would have been. And the last one I could find was against North Carolina in 2016, but they were like 15,000 short of capacity once people actually showed up. And the funny thing is I started really digging. I'm like, wow, I can't find the attendance things. The actual Illinois website has their attendance figures up to 2017, and then they deliberately stopped adding it because I imagine the attendance numbers were so low. That made me laugh. Hopefully we eventually get to see Illinois get a little bit more there. And the other thing is I saw that Nebraska has their 375-game sellout streak is on the line right now. They're actually selling three-game ticket packages to try to get those numbers in there. So we'll see if that gets done. I mean, guys, that's crazy. That goes back to 1962. Ooh. Also, my final, final thought is shout out to Wally for helping me for a few hours with my fantasy draft. Boy, boy came in real clutch. I think we drafted a, a, a pretty, a pretty good team. There's, there's a shot that I, that I'm a playoff and a contender to win the whole thing, I think. So uh, shout out to you for that, buddy. Absolutely, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about that throughout the year, but that's going to bring us to the end, guys. We'll see you next week. Good luck to you Husker and Illini fans out there. Week one is right around the corner.